Good morning. Would you pray with me? God, um, we thank you so much for your word. Um, It's so good, and we pray this morning as we look at it that you would move our hearts. God, um, speak through your word and uh, bless us this morning. Amen. I still have a bit of a cough, so I'm using this thing instead of the other thing, so you don't have to hear my coughs whenever I do that. Um, But grab your Bibles and open them to Acts chapter 2. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And this little passage um, we're going to read comes after Pentecost and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on God's people. And it comes right after Peter preached to thousands of Jews. And after it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So um, God is starting his church. It's growing And he's doing awesome stuff. And we're going to pick up in verse 42, uh, where it says, They devoted themselves, and I'm reading from the NIV. Pastor Vaughn's not here to make fun of me today, so I can say that. Uh, It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I want to talk a little bit about that word devoted here this morning, um, because I think it's a good word to describe that all those verses we just read. Um, The Greek word here, and I I studied some of this. I don't know Greek, so I don't know necessarily how to pronounce it, and I forgot to ask Mike before we started, but um, it's proskitero. Did I say that right? It's pretty good. All right. Um, But it means to adhere to one, to be his adherent, to be devoted, to be constant to one, to be steadfastly attentive, or to give unremitting. So there's a lot of big words there, but devoted is a good description, and a definition for devoted is the state of being dedicated, consecrated, or solemnly set apart for a particular purpose. And that is the church that we see in the book of Acts and in this little passage right here. It's a church that dedicated themselves and set themselves apart for these things. So we're going to talk a little bit about these things this morning. They for one, were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Um, And I would say that meant that God's word and the preaching and study of it was central to their lives. The apostles were teaching about God, and the people were devoted to that. Um, It also says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Um, Does anyone know the Greek word for fellowship? Koinonia. Good job. It means, koinonia means fellowship or partnership or communion, joint participation together um, or intimacy, okay? So they were not just devoted to being friends, um, they were devoted to each other's lives and to furthering the church that God was establishing. Um, They were participating and partnering in the gospel together, and they recognized that they belong together as God's people. They belong together. Um, it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Um, so they spent time together sharing meals. Um, and how long ago did we go through uh, a praying life? Was it two years ago now? 
one year ago. Um, we talked about, or no, I'm thinking of that other one, hospitality. Um, yeah, we talked about how important meals were at that time. It was an important part of life um, to share food with someone else. And they were doing that together. And it says they devoted themselves to prayer. So they came together to go before the Lord. They met to pray and to worship together. Um, and so these four things that are mentioned um, at the, in the very first verse here um, get worked out a little bit in the following verses. Um, it says that they were filled with wonder and awe at what God was doing, that they were together, that they had everything in common, and if somebody needed something, um, someone else made sure that they had it. So if Sean was in need of something, Steve was like, hey, I'm going to make sure you have that, Sean, um, to the point that they were selling their stuff to give to the people that had need. Um, that's what it said. It said it was in verse 45, selling their possessions and good goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And if you turn over to chapter 4, um, in verse 32, we see this again. It says in 432, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That's devotion right there, okay? They're like, hey, I own some land. People in our church here need some stuff. I'm going to go sell it and give the money to them. That's devotion. They were devoted to each other. Back to chapter 2. Um, in verse 46, it said that they kept meeting together in the temple courts every day. They were gathering um, for the teaching, the fellowship, the prayer, and they were breaking bread in their homes and eating together, and they were praising God together. And one of the results from that, it says, was that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so I believe what we see here is a snapshot of the church as it is supposed to be operating. Not like in exact steps or something to exactly reproduce for every church in every place at every time. Um, not long after this, if you go forward in Acts, the church was persecuted and they were scattered and they were forced to do things differently. Okay, They couldn't come together in the temple courts every day anymore because they were being persecuted. But the kind of devotion that we see here that um, set apartness, the dedication to each other and to true fellowship, that is the church being the church, regardless of, of what time or place um, that the church is in. And I think that that is something that we are called to as Christians, and it's something that the world will see and take notice of. In this conversion book, which we went through in Life Group, and if you didn't get to be a part of a life group, um, we can still get you a book because we have more of them. I, I recommend that you read it. Um, towards the end of the book, in the conclusion, the author shared a story that I think kind of captured um, some of this devotion. It says on the, in the conclusion here, um, Some years ago, an older gentleman began visiting the church to which I belonged. 
It was a church full of young people, and so quite naturally he stayed on the edge of the community. But he did not go away. He observed, he listened, he got to know many of us. And the day came when he put his faith in Christ. In his baptismal testimony, he explained what had happened. It turns out he was a psychiatrist and a university professor. All of his training had taught him that what he was seeing in that church was not possible. Genuine community that crossed natural barriers. Real change that was not just therapeutic adjustment and self-sacrificing love for others that was not transactional. He realized that the only thing that could explain what he was seeing was that God was real and the gospel of Jesus Christ was true. The church, being the church, being devoted, having real community with each other, being devoted to each other, um, is what that guy saw and what led him to Christ. It's a supernatural thing. It's not something that we can work up on our own. It's something that God does in us. And when people see it in action, it glorifies God, and it lets people know God is real. And we need to look like that church, okay? Um, So I have three things um, for us this morning that I want to share from this. And the first one is that we need to be devoted to each other. Okay, we need to be devoted to each other, and we need to love each other. Um, Real love for each other is not always fun or exciting or happy. Um, Sometimes it is. Scripture says to rejoice with those who rejoice, right? That's fun. Um, Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you mourn with those who mourn. That's not fun. And sometimes real love for someone is messy or gross or difficult. Um, Let's look at how Jesus called us to love one another. Turn to John 13. In verse 1 of John 13, it says, It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got it from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So Jesus showed them the full extent of his love, and he washed their feet. This would have been really gross. Okay? really gross. Um, They wore sandals back then. The roads were dirty, full of all sorts of gross stuff, including animal dung. It would not have been a pleasant experience, okay? Most of us probably don't want to wash clean feet that come out of socks today. Washing feet back then would have been way more gross, Um, and it was something that servants did, okay? Like, God doesn't wash people's feet. Servants wash people's feet. Um, But Jesus, he did that. He made himself a servant, and he loved his disciples, and he told us to do the same. In verse 12 um, of chapter 13, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
But that's not all. Not only did he wash their feet, he washed the feet of the man who was going to betray him. Okay, Judas. He knew what Judas was going to do. He still loved him and served him. And um, we need to love our brothers and sisters just like Jesus is right here. They're going to hurt us. They're going to sin against us. And we need to show the world how Jesus loves by loving and forgiving each other when that happens. Um, We need to show our devotion to each other. In verses 34 and 35 of chapter 13, it says, A new command I give you, this is Jesus talking again, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love, devotion, and that is going to show the world who Jesus is, and I think that's what was happening in Acts chapter 2 as they were loving each other. People were seeing that, and the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. We need to love like that. Gossiping, grumbling, anger, apathy, bitterness, unforgiveness, those things don't belong with us in the church, okay? They're not loving. We need to wash the feet of our brothers and sisters who have hurt us, okay? Extend forgiveness and love to them, a lot of it, because God has extended love and forgiveness to you. And when someone comes into the church and sees that happening, they're going to be like, wow, you're disciples of Jesus, and he's real. And this love and devotion um, needs to be extended inside of the church from us to each other to people that are different than us, okay? Whether it's a difference in age or life situation, cultural background, um, race, whatever it is, like we read in the conversion book, the guy saw something that attracted him, even though it was a bunch of young people, um, because he saw like real devotion, not just like from a young person to a young person. Generally speaking, you know, it's pretty easy to hang out with the people that um, are in a similar life situation to you. But we need to love and show devotion to everybody, not just those that are in the same situation in life as us. And eating meals together. I think, uh, can really help build that. And so, a question for you to ponder. How many people in our church have you not shared a meal yet with? Just think about that. And don't count luncheons where we're all downstairs together. That doesn't count, okay? Um, When you start thinking about what you want to do this new year, as we go into 2019, um, I encourage you to make it a goal to at least begin the process of sharing a meal with every person in our church at least once. Now, if you can do that in one year, that is impressive, okay? But it's really easy to go through a year, and we've hung out with the people we normally hang out with. Like, our church is small enough that you can legitimately make it through. might take a little while, but make it through and have a meal with every single person in our church. And I encourage you, as you go into the new year, to um, start trying to get through that. Um, But we just need to ask ourselves as a church, are we devoted to one another? Are we devoted to meeting together and to fellowship and community with our brothers and sisters here at Liberty? If an unbeliever walked in, would they see the kind of devotion and community that we share together that makes them go, whoa, like God is real? Or would they see just a group of people that show up in the same place on a Sunday morning? God created his church to belong together and to be devoted to one another. 
And that's what I want people to see, um, a church that gives generously, you know, people that are willing to make sacrifices for each other and the gospel. That's what, that's what people need to see. And those things aren't easy. Devotion to each other isn't easy. Um, loving each other isn't easy. Community is hard, okay? Real community is hard. But God created his church to work in this way, which means we need the Holy Spirit, Right? We can't work it up on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. Some of our body, regardless of, of when I would be up here preaching this, some of our body is hurting and going through hard times. And they need our love and grace. And maybe it's you right now. Maybe it's not. But if it's not you right now, it will be you someday. Okay? We need to love each other. First Corinthians, this morning I was thinking, um, I do a lot of thinking in the shower. That's the best place to think. But I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about the body, um, the different parts of the body. And I was thinking, if I was going to lose my hand, you know, if I had something wrong with my hand and I was going to lose it unless I had surgery, I'd have surgery. Wouldn't you all have surgery? Yeah? Okay, you don't want to lose your hand. Even if it meant that I was skipping a vacation or I had to sell my Miata that I love. While I enjoy those things, my hand is a part of my body and I don't want to lose it. So if it needed surgery, I'd make the sacrifices needed. And I think we, the church in Acts that we just read was living this out. They were selling houses, their stuff, giving to people who had need because they were a part of the body. That's love and devotion right there, and that's love and devotion that we are called to as a church. Um, so that first one, we are called to devotion to each other. The second one, um, we need to be a church that is devoted together to the worship of God. Um, gathering together, singing, praying, studying the word, sharing the gospel, participating together in glorifying God. Um, Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then Hebrews 12, at the end, says we are told to worship God acceptedly, ex- acceptably with reverence and awe. And Ephesians 5 says to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And the whole context of most of the New Testament to the church, was to the church as a whole, not to just like justice, okay? Not to Job. It's like to the church as a whole, not to just the individual. And if you look at how we're supposed to walk with the Lord using our spiritual gifts, it's in the context of the body. Gathering together and being together to worship God is important. And I was reading um, some different articles and stuff, and the idea of like what a committed church member is um, today has changed a lot um, just over the last 20 years. Um, Tom Rainer, I don't know who's heard of him and who hasn't, but he's a he writes a lot of articles about churches and stuff. And um, he said 20 years ago, the idea of a committed church member, um, they were considered active if they attended church two to three times a week. Okay, so if you're at church two to three times a week, you were considered an active church member, committed church member. Um, now, a church member is considered active and committed if they make it to church three times in a month. Okay, so from three times a week to three times a month. That's a a huge difference. Um, That's 36 times a year, which is 69%. Okay, Um, 69%. And I was, as I was thinking about that, you wouldn't, 
pass any school out there with an attendance rate of 69%. Um, you wouldn't keep your job if you showed up 69% of the time, okay? And you definitely wouldn't be considered a devoted or committed, like, student or employee if you made it somewhere 69% of the time. Now, I'm not saying you need to be at church 100%, 95% of the time to be devoted, okay? But how often we are at church says something about our devotion to the Lord and to each other. Okay, it says something about that. Um, and I've been told and have experienced personally that everyone always overestimates a couple of things. Um, but in church, they overestimate how much they give. Okay, they always overestimate how much they give and how often they go to church. Okay, those are two things that most everyone overestimates if they're asked. And I just encourage you to try something this new year as we go into 2019. I'm not going to be tracking you, um, but I would encourage you to track how many Sundays you're here next year. Not to make yourself feel guilty, not to fulfill some sort of legalistic thing, but as just kind of a reality check. Because if we always overestimate something and we want to see how we're really doing, we have to take some steps to, to figure that out. So just write down what Sundays you're there. And if you're not there, like, why? You know, I wasn't at church because I was at home with the flu, okay? Hopefully that's none of you, but reality is that the flu is out there. So, encouragement for you to try that, because it's important for us to gather together, and I think we let a lot of things keep us from church sometimes that we shouldn't. Um, I've shared this before, but a couple of years ago, I had a young man um, who came to church uh, on a New Year's, we were having church, I believe, on New Year's Day. And he was there, and it was 10.30, and I think there was only, I don't know, 12 or 15 people here. There weren't a whole lot of people here. And um, he was like, where, where is the church? It's 10.30, isn't it time to worship? And I, this was his first or second time here. And um, in my head, I thought, that is a good question. But I was like, oh, um, it's New Year's Day. A lot of people, I'm sure, were up late at New Year's Eve, so they're just running late to the service. And his response, he was kind of a blunt guy. He was just like, isn't God supposed to come first? Isn't he supposed to be the most important? It doesn't look like he is here. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, it, was a, it was an embarrassing moment. Our choices as a body that day sent a message to the young man about what we thought about God. Now, are, do we as a church believe that God is not important? I don't think so. But the choices that we made that day sent that message to him. Us meeting together to worship on a Sunday is an important thing. I believe it really helps us to flourish in our faith. And if that is important, we just need to, as we go into 2019, show that it's important by our actions. If an outsider walks into our church, I want them to be able to see that it's important to us, okay? Um, does our devotion th show through our actions? Does our devotion show in how much attention we pay to the Word when it's preached, um, in the way that we worship, in us showing up on time, um, in the way that we welcome people? Because it should. I want it to, and I think you all want it to as well. The actions of the church in Acts chapter 2 sent a message about God to those who were coming around because people were getting saved every day, okay? Send a message. They were witnessing how real God was by how he was changing people's lives. They were devoted to teaching, worship, fellowship, and each other in ways that were not natural. And that leads me to my last point, which is we need to be a church that is devoted to reaching the lost, okay? 
It says in Acts 2 that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I believe this implies something. I believe it implies that believers were talking to other people about God and inviting them to join them at church, okay? To come and see and taste that the Lord is good. The Holy Spirit was working in the church here in Acts 2. They were devoted to him, to the Lord, to his people, and to his work. And that can certainly be attractive to people. Um, And I'm sure that God was drawing people in through all sorts of different uh, means. But I can just about promise you that the main way that it was happening was that people were talking to other people. Okay, they were going out and they were sharing with people about Jesus and and hey, come and see what God is doing at our church. And they were bringing people in. In Romans 10, it says in verse 14, how can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. They were going out and they were telling people. And as a church, we need to be devoted to reaching the lost, and we need to be going out and telling people. We need to be going out and bringing them in. What we are seeing in chapter 2 here of Acts, I think, was the church, they knew they belonged to the Lord and to each other, and they were flourishing as they grew and ministered to each other, and that led them to go, okay? It led them to go out to other people and to share with them the good news about Jesus so that they could receive salvation and start that whole process over again themselves to belong to the church and flourish together and then go out again. But this that we saw in Acts 2 is not like a casual acceptance of Jesus, like, yeah, Jesus is cool and I can go and eat with these people, okay? Um, It wasn't just going to church. I just, I really like the word devotion. I love it because it perfectly describes what was going on here with the church. They were devoted to the Lord and to each other, because they were devoted to Jesus. Jesus had told them they would receive power from the Holy Spirit, and they were to go and be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to go to the ends of the earth. And they were given this mission from Jesus to go. And that mission that they were given is our mission as well, to go. We need to be devoted to our mission, just like the church in Acts 2 was devoted to their mission. And so as we um, get ready to, to wrap up here, I have two questions for you this morning to ponder. The first question um, is just what are you devoted to as an individual? What are you devoted to? If someone were to walk up and look at your life, they were to look at what you're doing, you know, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, all that, Um, If they were to look at your life, what would they say that you were devoted to? Okay, would they say that you're devoted to sports, to work, to your family, to money, to entertainment? What are you devoted to? And some of those things are good things, some of those things are bad things, but you can also have too much of a good thing, okay? Is it good to be devoted to your family? Yes, okay? That is good. Is it good to be devoted to your family over your devotion to the Lord? No. Okay. Is it good to be devoted to money? 
No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so some things it's good to be devoted to, some things it is not, okay? Um, but even those good things we can over-devote ourselves to. Um, so that first question is, what are you devoted to? Second question, what should it look like for you to be devoted to the Lord? You as an individual. What should it look like for Chris, for Laureen, to be devoted to the Lord? And remember, it's not just like a life sitting here, me and Jesus, and I sit here and I'm happy with him, okay? Being devoted to him means being devoted to his church, to his work, and devotion means the state of being dedicated, consecrated, solemnly set apart for a particular purpose, okay? So you're set apart for Jesus and the work he set for you and for his church. So what does it look like for you to be devoted to the Lord? Um, So if you write down anything this morning um, that I've been saying, write down those two questions. Um, What are you devoted to, and what should it look like for you to be devoted to the Lord? And as you do that, I would encourage you, don't make excuses for yourself. Just take an honest look as we go into 2019. Um, It's really easy to excuse the things we want to hold on to and we want to be devoted to, and we stay stuck in that rut, in that pattern, going that direction, and it's not good for us. So just take an honest look. I'm, I'm not looking into your lives. You are with Jesus. But we need to evaluate our lives periodically. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says we should examine ourselves and test ourselves. And so that's what I am encouraging you to do as we wrap up 2018. And I'm sharing these things this morning for a number of reasons. One, as I've already said, we're getting ready to enter a new year. It's 2019, which is crazy. Time goes by so fast. People, there are adults that were born in the 2000s, okay? That's crazy. (laughs) There are adults that were born in the 2000s. I remember Y2K, and it was such a scary thing, and it's almost 20 years ago now. Yeah, time goes by fast, and it's not something to waste, okay? God has us on earth for a very small amount of time, We don't want to waste that time. As we enter the new year, let's check ourselves and make sure our heart is devoted to him and not to other things. Um, Number two, as a church, we're going through a season of change, okay? A lot of us are probably going through personal seasons of change, but as a church, we're going through a season of change. Um, Next Sunday, it's going to be the last time Pastor Vaughn shares um, a sermon as a pastor at our church. Most of us don't like change, but God is sovereign. He's in control. He brings change, whether we like it or not. And as he brings it, it's good to, I think it's a really good time for us to ask ourselves these questions. And three, um, as we go through this season of change, change brings new stuff, okay? It brings new things. And while what's happening here is not as big as the creation and the founding of the church, which is what we were seeing in Acts chapter 2, Um, It is the start of something new for us, okay? It's the start of something new with us. And Pastor Bond is going to be becoming the senior pastor, and he's going to be sharing his heart and vision that God has given him for our church. And as he does that, it's going to require things from us, okay? If we're going to be a devoted church, if we want to succeed in, in the direction that God is leading our church, we have to be devoted to each other and devoted to what he's called us to do. And I want us to be ready to go. And then lastly, I really want to see our church um, growing and people getting saved like in Acts 2. 
You know, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to see people getting saved in our church. And I believe that this is key to that. If we aren't devoted to the Lord and we aren't devoted to each other and gathering together, um, I don't think that's going to happen. And so as a church, I want to call us to that so that we can see people walk out of darkness and into light. And so my challenge to us as a church as we enter this new year and new season is to be devoted to the Lord, his work, and his church, like we see in Acts 2 here. Um, to be devoted really like we, have call, like we have been called to be. Um, Jesus asks for our whole life, not just a part of our life. Um, so I'm going to have the worship team come up as we get ready to close here. Um, earlier I read from the conversion book that we went through this year in Life Group, and um, conversion is important, okay? The church being the church depends on the Holy Spirit working in our lives. This devotion and dedication that we see here is not something that we can work up on our own. I can't just work that up on my own, okay? Someone can't come in off the street and work that up on their own. They could work up something, but it wouldn't be this, okay? The church we saw in Acts chapter 2 was saved and had the Spirit of God in them, and God was working in them, okay? And if we want to be a church that is devoted, um, that's going to be God working in us. And so as you answer those questions, I'd also just encourage you this year to ask God to work in your heart and in your life and seek after him. It says in scripture, if we seek him, we will find him. And James says not to merely listen to the word as we seek him and so deceive ourselves, but to do what it says. So get into the word, seek the Lord, and do what it says. And I believe as we do that, our devotion to him and to each other will grow because this is really about a love for God, okay? And as we love God, the rest of this stuff happens. And if there's anyone here that has maybe, maybe you have not put your trust in Jesus, it is simple and also huge, okay? It's a simple thing to do. The simple truth of the gospel is that Jesus came to save sinners. You and me and all of us, are no different. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are all destined for hell for our sin. We were all destined for hell for our sin, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while I was still a sinner, while you were still a sinner, Christ Jesus died for us. He paid the price for our sin, and this was the gift of God, eternal life in Jesus. It's not about trying to be better, it's not about trying to be a devoted person. It's about putting your trust in Jesus. Romans 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't earn your way into heaven. It's about simple trust. So if that's you this morning, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, I encourage you, turn away from your sin and your attempts to be a better person and call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Trust in him to save you and transform your heart. So we're going to end with a song called Take My Life and Let It Be. Most of you older people are probably familiar with it, <laughs> but it's a very good song. And as we sing, um, I encourage you to ponder the words, sing the words if you mean them. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus, 
and that's something you want to do, do it during this song. Um, if you want to be devoted to him as we enter this new year, um, sing it. God, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. So would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we want to be a church wholly devoted to you, and we want to know you, and we want to love you more. We want to be renewed, and we want to be devoted to each other, and we want to love each other just like you have loved us. God, help us to do that. Help us to know that we belong to you and to each other. We want to be a body that is committed to coming together to worship you in spirit and truth, a body that is committed to your word, learning from it, upholding it, and ministering it to each other. Help us to do that. Help us to make gathering together to worship a priority, God, and something that we just can't wait to do. Help us to flourish in our walk with you. And God, we want to reach our community. We want to reach the lost with your gospel. We want to be a church where we are seeing people get saved. So fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to go to them. Help us to reach them and bring them in so that they can come and and be saved and belong and flourish and go out themselves, God. Lord, if there is someone here who doesn't know you and hasn't put their trust in you, I pray that you would speak to them right now and that you would draw them and lead them to salvation. God, we want to be a church body that is just devoted to you, but we need you for that. And so as we sing this song and worship, move our hearts take our lives and let them be consecrated to you.